3: What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. I'm joined today by my co-host, Ross Uglum. It is draft week. We have made it. We're almost there. It's going to be an unproductive week for most of us. I was just telling Ross, I'm kind of just biding my time until Thursday. It's hard really to think about anything else. But Ross, happy draft week, man. How
2: you doing? I'm great, man. I'm excited. There's so much stuff going on this week. It's, uh, it. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm geeked. Ooh, I couldn't be more ready for it to be Thursday. That is for damn sure.
3: Yeah, we're we're kind of getting into silly season with some of the stuff that's getting out there, and I'm ready just to start hearing some of these names called. But we have a really fun episode planned for you guys today. And what Ross and I are going to do is just go through pick twelve and pick thirty. And we're just going to run down basically guys we would love to see in Green Bay, guys we would like to see in Green Bay, guys we would need to be talked into in Green Bay, and then three guys we would just downright be upset about. And we'll talk more about that stuff in a second. But we're also going to go over probably just kind of briefly our top 30 boards. My top 30 board has been pretty much set for the last couple of weeks. And I know Ross probably is... I think you even put something out there a week or two ago. Yours has kind of been set in stone as well. So we'll just kind of go through those. I mean, it'll be interesting just to see where Ross and I have some discrepancies. But at this point, at this point, Ross, your guys are kind of your guys. And there's no talking anyone out of anything at this point, I feel like.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, You know, I, I deal with people on Twitter all the time. Got a guy in my mentions right now, and you know, he's trying to tell me Brian Burns isn't any good and Montez Sweat is better. It's like, buddy, I do the work, you know. Uh nothing that you with ten followers is gonna say that's gonna make me change my mind. Uh I don't care about run defense. And you know, beyond that, what 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 are you going to do with a guy that has been taken off of half the boards in the NFL? I mean, he has a heart condition. Yeah. Uh, You saw Moe Hurst, who should have been a top 15 pick last until day three, you know, and, and and just in general though, I don't want to get off on a tangent uh, about one, you know, guy on my Twitter mentions, but you're not going to move somebody that actually does the work and watches these guys play takes the, the, I mean, my, I have at least a hundred hours into, you know, my top 300. And so you're not going to move me off of my opinions. And uh, if you were, I, I would suck at my job. I'd be worthless. I'd be no better, you know, than an aggregator.
3: Yeah. And I think that's the fine balance between you want to, one of those things like Ross, like I know you put in the work. There's other people that put in the work. So if you say something, I will listen to it like 100%. But, you have to do the work yourself and it's, and you actually, you had a t- uh, your, your top 10 or your, your draft day, top 10, your commandments. And I thought that was a really good article because it kind of just went into kind of what we're talking about right now is if you have put in the time to do it, you should be proud of what you've done. If they're your guys stick with your guys, who cares what anyone else says? Because the fact of the matter is if you have put in the time and watch these guys and you're really high on one of them, you, you could be just, you, you're, you have just as good of a chance of being right about that guy as the people that say he's not any good. I mean, it's the draft. Like, if your hit rate, hit rate is above 20%, 20, 30, you know, you're, you're batting 300, you're doing really good. That's kind of was good advice going into the weekend. It's so much more enjoyable to watch the draft when you know who your guys are. You know you put the work in on it. I mean, you said even if it's just your top 30 guys and you watched a little bit of film on them, you know, stay, stand strong in your, in your guys, especially leading up to this week. Cause this week is also silly season. I mean, you're here, you're going to hear stuff about guys that just coming out of the woodwork, but like w- we could talk about that on and on. Let's jump into this. Uh, so, so I'll start with, so this is pick 12 specific. This is not guys all throughout the draft that we like. This is just pick 12. And so the three guys that you would love, the guys that you're getting out of your seat doing a fist pump because the Packers took one of your favorite players in this draft class. And these are guys that we don't really need to get into because there are players that no one here is not going to recognize who these guys are. My three guys are in no, really in no order. I, like, I would say all three of these guys are tied for someone I'd be excited about. And that's Ed Oliver, Brian Burns and TJ Hawkinson. I would be doing a backflip if any three of those guys
2: were available. Ross who are your three? I'm right with you on the top two. I think Ed Oliver is is kind of the dreamy scenario. You know, you're in a situation where Edge Rusher has as at least for now been, you know, somewhat addressed. I think a lot of Packers fans are operating on a false premise that, you know, both starting positions have been uh, addressed, and, and what I mean by that is this, people need to start thinking as third down is what a starting group really is and uh, or second and long, however you want to look at it. Zadarius Smith is going to play three technique on third down, so you, you actually do still need a primary outside rusher to pair with Preston Smith if you don't believe that Kyler Fackrell is that guy. So uh, the, the idea that edge is, we're good, you know, is I think a little bit overrated but Ed Oliver remains, I think, you know, uh, 1A. And and a guy that probably shouldn't be there and probably won't be there. But uh, that doesn't mean that there is not a scenario in which he is available. And so I think, you know, like I said, that certainly could be the top option. Uh, and then Brian Burns, you know, you, you would say the same thing about guessing that Bosa and Allen are probably gone at the edge, but you know, maybe somebody still has himself talked into Montez. I don't know about that. You know, maybe somebody goes barrel. Uh, maybe maybe a third edge rusher doesn't go off the board until 12, and you you have a chance to take Brian Burns. I, I have a feeling now, though, with Polite's, you know, complete implosion and with Montez having the heart issue, Brian Burns is, you know, locked into edge three. I have him as edge two, but I think he's locked into that top three and unlikely to be available and then Devin Bush, I've been, you know, I've, I've made a living off of of talking about, you know, just how little value off the ball linebacker has. But to to kind of step off that there, you know, there's two factors with Bush, and that's number one, he's an exceptional blitzer and a and a very much above average cover guy, and number two, there's just scarcity. So. If, if if you want to you know have this guy or have have this position addressed, it gets really rough after Bush and White. Uh, the difference between Bush and White and Mac Wilson is is, is enormous. Mac is not a guy that I would you know even consider with the forty fourth pick, and, and you know would not be cool with until uh, you know we'd be talking about like a pick seventy five. So to be to be very clear that. It is not a position change for me that off-the-ball linebackers, no thank you. But this guy specifically, what he brings to the table and the fact that there's like this massive shelf, uh, and, and frankly the fact that they have two two first-round picks. Uh, they do have the ability, in my opinion, to take a, a non-premium position at one of the two spots here. Take a bonus pick. Take, take an off-the-ball linebacker. Take a tight end. Take a wide receiver if you're getting – DK Metcalf feelings and and that's something that uh is different than most years where you want to spend that first round pick on a premier position yeah
3: good stuff and it's the gut feeling I have about Brian Burns and I've had this for the last week or so and my gut just tells me that he's gonna be available at 12 and the Packers are gonna pass on him and I don't know why I feel that way Maybe it's just kind of what we were talking about, the pre-draft anxiety of preparing yourself for the worst, but I could definitely see them passing on him. I know Ben Fennel was talking about Brian Burns, and I really like his point of view on this. And you kinda of already touched on this a little bit with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith kind of being two, you know, bigger edge rushers that they don't win with first step. They, they're more of a kind of a more of a, like a, in the, really in the mold of like a Montez sweat of a guy that's going to want to try to kind of go through you. And Burns would definitely offer something different. If they want to attack you from all different angles, Brian Burns is the guy there. So three guys you would like. So maybe these are guys you're familiar with. You would, you know, you'd be happy about them. They wouldn't be your slam dunk type guys, but they're guys that you would, you go to bed that night feeling pretty good about that pick still. So my three guys are one Montez Sweat, and obviously if the Packers pick him, it's gonna be they feel good about his medicals. The Packers are a really conservative team with medicals, though. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's on the board and they pass on him. And he's part of the and the Packers are part of the reason he slides. What's also interesting to me, Ross, is how it's almost like you can't like Brian Burns and Montez Sweat, yeah. And, and in the Packers Twitter Twitter sphere, it's almost like those two have been pitted against each other so much, and it's it's silly. It's really silly because they're both very good prospects, and honestly, as as and you're about to get into this too, we both would be really happy with either of those guys. The next guy on my list is DK Metcalf. The reason he's not in my love list is just because. He's such a projection, but the Packers have never had a guy like DK Metcalf in my lifetime, and so I would not mind a swing for the fences on DK Metcalf at all. And then my third guy is a guy you already talked about, Devin Bush, and I 100% agree with everything you just said. You do not take an inside linebacker that high in the draft unless they offer you know secondary traits like Devin Bush has with. You know, he's got the movement ability of a safety. He's 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 going to be effective, you know, r- rushing the passer. So he can you know, he's going to affect the football game on all three levels. So he's a guy that I think, you know, you make the rule, but there's always exceptions for the rule. And so Devin Bush is kind of my exception for that, that I would be I'll be very pleased if he was to pick at 12. Ross, there's no one. It's funny. I'm looking at our top two categories and there's no one new in these lists. We all you and I both. The top six guys are the same, but walk me through uh, some of your guys that you
2: hear, have here, Ross. Yeah, just you know, on that Montez and, and Bryant thing, I have Montez Sweat as my fifteenth overall player. I, I don't have the Packers big board in front of me. Uh, I know he's top ten in the Packers big board. You know that is is, is shifted for positional needs that, that Green Bay possesses. I don't hate Montez Sweat. Brian Burns is a better pass rush prospect. He's a better uh, prospect. Period. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I get why they've been pitted against each other because consensus is, is uh, you know, kind of a disease. Consensus is kind of a disease in, in these Internet streets. And the consensus is, you know, you're not really supposed to have a conversation about anybody above Bosa and Allen. They're just, if you're above those guys, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, God forbid you actually go in and, and, and do the work. But, but that's going to get me, you know into another digression yeah my, you know my guys I'd like TJ Hawkinson I think Justice Moscada has a good point in that no tight end is really worth a top 20 pick there's so few of them that make a huge difference uh there a lot of those guys that make a huge difference are not picked in the top 20 talk about your Rob Gronkowski's your Travis Kelsey George Kittle these are guys that are not picked where you would have to probably take Hawkinson with that said there are exceptions to every rule and frankly TJ is just picture perfect made for uh, this this defense or excuse me this offense this, the shanahan style that Lafleur you know purportedly wants to run. Uh, TJ is an absolutely perfect tight end one uh, for that and somebody that would just start from day one, you move Jimmy into the big slot, you move Jimmy into twelve personnel would just be awesome and then uh you know like I said with with dK and montez i'm I'm with you. I think DK is clearly not wide receiver number one. There are people that have concerns. You know, he gets called a workout warrior. People have worries about his agility. Uh, from what I've seen on film, though, this is a top-flight guy. Uh, this is a guy that you could really, uh, hey, man. With, with Devonte Adams on the other side of him and, and and consistent single coverage with a year or two of development, he could be such a major major problem and a matchup issue moving forward. Yeah. And that's exactly what my thought is
3: with DK. Um, And you hit the nail on the head with Hawkinson too. The reason I like him so much is because of his fit in Matt LaFleur's offense or what we expect Matt LaFleur to want to do. If Mike McCarthy were still the head coach, TJ Hawkinson might not even be on these top two categories. He'd still be a guy I really like, but I, I just, I wouldn't really put him in the same category. So, three guys that you would need to be talked into. So these are guys that the name is called your gut kind of sinks and you just kind of go, all right. But then maybe a couple days later you are going to maybe, you know, at least kind of come to terms with it and and hope for the best and all these, anybody picked by the Packers I'm going to root for. Like I'd be, I wouldn't be a Packers fan if I didn't, But they're guys that you really start to, they kind of grow on you. So my three guys, one of them is Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle from Clemson. And we were talking about this off air, Ross, and your thought process basically was if the Packers take a non-pass rushing D tackle, that would be, that'd be ungood. That would be bad. And the reason I could be talked into it is because I think Christian Wilkins is a, is a pretty good athlete. And I think he he could potentially offer something in as a pass rusher, but the, I would mostly lean with you on that 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 would be just a pretty disappointing pick if he was the pick at twelve. And you know nothing against Christian Wilkins. You know everything I've heard about him is he's just an awesome dude, great leader, all all that stuff. He checks all those boxes, and he probably would be a great person to have in the Packers locker room. But when you have the highest pick that they've had since they took B.J. Raji in the first round at nine and you spent it on a Christian Wilkins. Yeah, you you get the picture. Um, And the other two guys we can kind of lump together. Um, And that's Juwan Taylor and Jonah Williams, two two guys that I think would start out as a guard in Green Bay and eventually be Brian Bulaga's replacement at right tackle why I could be talked into them is because anytime you're going to tell me the idea is you want to keep 12 upright, I'm going to say, okay, I I get that. I understand that. But what I would have a hard time understanding is why at 12, why that high when you're essentially taking a guy that's going to come in and most likely be a backup, a guard, you know, a backup on this team at 12, I'm not going to be on board with that right away. Even if they can eventually be a starter down the road, I would say go make that investment. Maybe at thirty, maybe at forty-four, if you want to do that. Maybe in the third, you know, in the third round or one of those two fourth-round picks, if you want to get a
2: backup and a guy you're going to develop, do it then, not at twelve. Ross, who are your three guys? So I'm, I'm with you. You know, we have a lot of the same ideas, which I guess you know we talked about consensus being a disease. You and I seem to have a consensus. Jonah and Juwan, I can talk myself into it because I believe that they can play tackle. Jonah, you know, the, I don't think either of them are necessarily elite athletes, which makes you think they're unlikely Packers picks, which I guess you would view as a positive. And then for me, the, one of the guys I'd need to be talked into, frankly, is Noah Fant. I like Noah Plenty as a uh, as a talent, and he's probably somebody I would be excited about. But he is not the traditional Shanahan tight end. He's He's not going to be... That people mover. Now I think he gets a bad rap and is a better blocker than people probably think he is. But in general, he's going to be your, you know, your Jimmy Graham clone, the guy that you want, you know, to play like Chris Herndon of of the Jets or somebody that is going to be probably a, a a rich man's Evan Ingram. But that is not necessarily what this offense requires. And so, just strictly fit wise. I think Noah would be interesting, to to say the least, and somebody that I'm not convinced makes a ton of of sense.
3: And I'm going I'm going off the cuff here because I honestly I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm thinking of think of my you know Shanahan's offense. You think of those Broncos teams, and you think of Shannon Sharp. Shannon, of course, yep. And was he was he a guy that could block? I honestly don't remember. I would have I would have been so young. I remember he was a smaller tight end. But he would be someone that I think you would say is the outlier for that, because every other guy that you would look at in that offense, they were pretty much your. Cooly,
2: yeah, Chris Cooley, yep. George Kittle, you know, they, they use Jordan Reed as a big slot, really more than anything else. But you go back to, you know, Atlanta, and it was Levine Toylolo, and and you know, guys that sometimes weren't even involved in the passing game, and you talk about. A guy like Trayvon Wesco, I know that's Ben Fennell's guy or my guy from last year, Dalton Schultz. Maybe it's a, it's a guy that catches 20 balls in a season but is, is dominant in the run game. And that is uh, not something that currently exists on the Packers roster, I'll tell you that right now.
3: Yeah, no, 100%. So now this is the last part of this for pick 12. Is three guys you would be really upset about. Guys that you it would probably take them a year or two of being good in 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 Green Bay for you to admit that you were wrong about and that okay they were a good pick and this one will be more interesting because we only have one guy on here that's the same and we can talk about him first Ross because we both agree that we would be really upset if Andre Dillard was the pick at 12 and I know there are there are a lot of people that like Dillard and I you know what I, I I think we both would agree that we like Dillard as as a player but we don't like him as a fit in this offense. You know, Matt Lafleur has come out and said they want to run the ball. They want to be a more balanced offense. Andre Dillard is a fantastic pass in pass pro. He's his feet are phenomenal. His ability to mirror is is fantastic. His athleticism is off the charts. All that stuff he checks a lot of boxes. What he does not check a box at all for me is is in the run game. At Washington State, he just really wasn't asked to do it. You could see him getting to the second level quite a bit, because it they did a lot they had a lot of stuff like that within, you know, within their scheme. But when you just ask him to to move and to move people, you know, he's gonna be playing right tackle where typically you want someone that's a little bit more stout and a little bit better in the run game. He's never he's not taking not taking boxyari spot at left tackle. So Ross, I just have a hard time seeing how he fits in in this Green Bay Green Bay offense, especially if he's the pick at 12.
2: Yeah, the fit, the fit issue I think is a very reasonable concern. The guy that would ideally play left tackle. Well, you have a left tackle and you probably have the best left tackle, a guy that is not proven against proven to to be able to move in the run game. Well, got a, a quarterback or a, a play caller that's going to want to have his quarterback Running boot action off of a, off of a constant outside zone and carrying out that fake and carrying out that fake and carrying out that fake, right until it's actually boot action. And so, you you need to have somebody that understands run sets, fake run sets. You have to maybe not have taken nine hundred pass blocking st- snaps at Washington State. And and so, I I like Dillard. I think he's a really good idea for a traditional spread style offense. Somebody that needs a left tackle, I think Minnesota would be a great landing spot for Dillard. But in Green Bay, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And, and frankly, you know, here's my my issue with it: if they trade down to 16 and take Andre Dillard, whatever, especially if that uh, you know brings in a second round pick or or, or what have you, but. To just take a guy that I personally have as my fourth ranked offensive lineman at twelfth overall when you barely ever get a chance to pick there that isn't a fantastic fit, that's that's where I struggle. Uh I, I just, you know, I'd rather have Juwan, I'd rather have Jonah, I'd rather have Dalton. And frankly, I would rather not take any of those guys at twelfth at overall. It would just be a disappointing pick when you have this kind of once-in-a-decade chance to really get uh, somebody in the top half of the first round, a player that you would normally have, a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You, you're generally having to make do with the 25th to the 32nd pick of every round, and that's not the case you know, this time around. Yeah, and
3: who are you replacing with Andre Dillard? The, the answer to that question is Jason Spriggs. And Spriggs gets kind of dumped on by Packers fans, but honestly, for a backup swing tackle, that's about as good as it gets. And I know there were higher hopes for him because he was a second round pick. And, you know, he still could develop, but I think he probably kind of is what he is at this point. And right now, that's that's a pretty average backup swing tackle in the NFL. So could you upgrade with could you upgrade with Andre Dillard? Sure. But why do it at 12? You know, that's kind of what I keep coming back to with him. My other two guys, one is Rashawn Gary, the edge, interior line, whatever you want to call him, player from Michigan. I just, you know, guys with tools and limited production, I just, I'm not a big fan of those guys, and especially, again, at 12, I would, I would be pretty upset about that. I'd be waiting for him to develop, and I'd be happy to admit that I was wrong if he does. But I just I don't see that happening. I think he's got such high bust potential. And then the last guy on this list is Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama. And honestly, Ross, Jacobs is kind of a stretch. Like, cause I don't think they're gonna I don't even think they're gonna do it. I don't think they're even gonna sniff Josh Jacobs at twelve. But it's kind of it's almost kind of a testament to to the the position that the Packers are in at twelve. Because I was looking, you know, actively trying to seek a a player that I would be unhappy with at 12 outside of Dillard and Gary. And it's tough. There's going to be good players there. So I'm happy about that. That was actually kind of, you know, doing this exercise. That was kind of a nice little revelation just to be like, oh, there's a lot of good players that I like at this, at this spot. Ross, who are your uh, other two guys that you got for guys you'd be upset about?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I struggled with this as well. I really don't like, the Christian Wilkins idea. Again, a guy that, you know, I have plenty of defensive tackles ahead of Christian Wilkins, period. Not a position of immediate need when you have a Montravius Adams that you're still waiting on to you know for to develop, you know, and and, and Dean Lowry who you like, which is of course behind my Daniels and Kenny Clark, two of the top interior. You know, this is not a need. Sure, could you you have somebody and then maybe you don't have to re-sign Daniels, great. But that better be a quick twitch guy like Jerry Tillery, or you know, just a stone cold stud like Ed Oliver. You don't need to just address Christian Wilkins because oh, that's kind of a need, and so he's the next one up on the board. No, that's silly. He's not a value at at twelve, frankly. And so I'm going to sorry, I'm going to interrupt you real quick and just ask you a question
3: because you're talking about D tackles in this class, and one of the most polarizing guys is Jeffrey Simmons. Of these four categories, if he was the pick at 12, where would he
2: fall for you? I'd be pretty upset, you know, especially you're talking about a guy with a redshirt season, talking about a guy with a video where he put hands on a woman. That's not cool with me. In general, no. If they take him at 30, whatever, I'm still not going to be super pumped that, that he did what he did. But at that point, you know, it's a bonus. It's a bonus pick. Maybe you pup P- him and he comes and and has a little bit of an impact in week eight, week nine and on uh, because th- it wasn't earlier injury. You know, I mean, he's, he's plenty of the way through his rehab, but a guy you're probably not counting on until next season. I don't want a guy. You're probably not counting on until next season at number 12. Again, they trade down to 16, 17, 18. They love Jeffrey Simmons. They take him, pick up another second round pick, whatever. I'll live with it. I can talk myself into that, but beyond that, I'm good. Gotcha. Who? What is your, uh, your third person then here or your third position? Uh, any quarterback. Any, any quarterback. I've, I've gone on record. I've, I've made this very clear. Say it once, so it's in audio form. This is not the year to take a quarterback. The way that Rodgers' contract is put together, you would not really be able to get rid of him this year or next year. You'd be eating still $10 million in dead cap to get rid of him the year after that, whether that's trade or release and the way that the CBA works you want your first round quarterback you want the guy that you're going to hit your wagon to to play if you're talking about a 5 year deal with that 5th year option you want him playing at least 4 years which is what the chiefs are going to get with Pat Mahomes you know there's they're already talking about having to give that guy 40 million dollars a year you want your rookie contract quarterback window to be as long as possible, not a situation where you are going to have your, your guy spending his entire rookie contract sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. It's just foolish.
3: I was going to say, uh, we don't need to get into that because that's a whole nother conversation, but just what the CBA is going to look like, by even by the end of that guy's contract and how, if it'll be different and all that, but that's who that's a topic for another podcast. So, Pick thirty, okay. So we're through our through pick twelve. Lucky us, we got two picks in the first round, guys. I would be I would be in love with at thirty. I would be very happy to see these guys, and at thirty, I would love Noah Fant. I I know you kind of talked about how you know maybe he isn't a fit in this particular offense, but as a big slot and as someone that I think is a better blocker than he gets credit for. I would be thrilled with him at 30, especially if they landed like a Brian Burns. And that's kind of part of this for me too, is is looking at 12 and how 12 really does affect 30. So it's kind of tough to do this because obviously if they took Hawkinson at twelve, I would not love if they took Noah Fant at 30. Another guy that I really like that I've I've really kind of fallen in in love with throughout this process. He was not someone that I really liked a ton right away. But the more i watched him, he just, and you know going through the workouts, he's just grown i mean that's a j brown the wide receiver from old miss. i think he could come in i think his route tree is so developed that he would be kind of the rare rookie that would be able to come in and contribute right away and eventually be able to play that outside receiver, but i think he would be such a good slot option in his rookie year, so that's a j brown and the last guy for me is. A guy that i've I've had a crush a draft crush on really this entire time, and that's Nasir Adderley, the safety from Delaware. To me, he's still he's still my safety one even after after he has not had the type of process that he needed to have, but he has not been healthy either. I still think he's one of the most instinctive free safety cover one types in this draft class, and I think he would fit in so well to like m- what Mike Pent wants to do with playing some of that single high. So he would be my, you know, my choice at safety at thirty. Safety is going to get be really interesting because I feel like there's about seven guys you could talk about that that people like kind of from pick thirty to fifty. So, I mean, I know you got one of them on your list, Ross. So, who who are your three guys that you would just love at pick thirty?
2: My three, and uh, I, honestly, my I needed four, and he'll be the first guy I talk about on guys you'd like. My three are similar position you know kind of to yours uh, that's uh, Debo Samuel who I think is wide receiver two in this class behind DK I'm working on a kind of an extensive thread on him right now to highlight some of the things I think that he does extremely well beyond that my safety one Juan Thornhill a guy I really respect uh, Eric Crocker on defensive back play as him as safety one as well uh, athletically there's no question I mean he is an absolute stone cold elite like all-timer level athlete from a testing perspective. And I think, you know, has the, the range, at least on paper, has the range uh, to truly play that single high safety, you know, running as fast as he does with the agility that he does. It, it at least appear that he would have a chance to move well enough uh, to do that. Then you, you've got my guy Chase Winovich just flying up those edge rankings. I think if I had to do edge rankings today – I don't. I think he would have a real chance of jumping, maybe even Farrell and Sweat. I, I just think he has a chance to be special. Uh, you look at like uh, Justice Mosqueda's force players. He is a force player from a testing perspective. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, I love him, man. And I think if you don't go Edge at at twelve and you get a chance to take him at thirty, you'd have to love that pick. I, I really believe that. And then finally, or is that it? That's yes. Yeah, so you went. You went. Debo, Juan, I, I, and Jason. I want to talk about Dalton so bad.
3: <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Uh, did you know that Juan Thornhill is going to be a
2: twenty-four-year-old rookie? I did. Yeah. I'm. I, I'm not. You. You like that, or you pay more attention to that than I do? And that's something that I've noticed uh, from us kind of working together, or or being sort of in the same orbit more often than not is that that age thing doesn't bug me the same way that it, that it seems to bug you. And I know that there's certainly data that backs up, you know, your concerns, but no, it, it doesn't bug me that, that one is going to be that age. It's, it's not an issue for me. He doesn't have man amongst boys tape. It doesn't look like the things that he's doing well is just because he's, you know, physically dominant because he's, he's older. Uh, there's no BYU issues with one. He, he's good because he is the best damn athlete on the field, basically at all times.
3: Yeah, and that's not me. I, I still really do like Juan Thornhill, but the, the thing and I think the concern with that is when a guy's older, you don't know how much more they're going to develop athletically, but that's not a concern with Juan Thornhill because he's probably one of the top five athletes in this draft class. It's not as, it's not as big of a deal with him. There's context that you have to include with it as well, but you are right. I do, I do tend to gravitate to the, to the younger players, but three guys you would like in this draft class. And for me, it looks like we have two of the, we're we're starting to kind of separate here a little bit, which is good. One guy that I would really like at 30 is another safety. He is my safety two in this class. And that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I just think he would offer so much versatility as that cover one type safety. I don't know if he's ready yet to necessarily take that role. You know, he played three different positions in his three years as a starter at Florida. And I love his progression as as he kind of came through their system. He got better every single year. So he's a guy I would really like at that position. But I did hear today... Dame Brugler, and I didn't know this, but Dame Brugler talked about how he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way at the combine, and I did not know that before I wrote this down. So we'll see if he's even – you know, he might be – if that's true and teams teams are sensitive about stuff like that, he might fall further than this pick 30. Another guy that I have is Dalton Risner. I'm not going to say anything else because I'm just going to let you talk about him. And my last guy is a guy we've kind of already talked about, but that's Jerry Tillery, the – the interior rusher D tackle from Notre Dame. I just think, you know, anytime you can add a guy with his type of ability at pick 30, that that's the direction I would want to go. If they're going to take an interior defensive lineman, a guy that can just get after it in the pass game, just completely. I mean, he has the potential to be an absolute game wrecker and he's a tall six, almost six, seven lanky dude was a top 10 recruit coming out of high school and it's not like he wasn't good at Notre Dame. He was. He was very good. He's got some of the. You know, he was inconsistent, but when he is on, he's got he's got top ten ability. So you would you would take him at thirty, kind of with that bonus pick, and hope that hope that you hit a home run. So uh, Ross, let me just. I feel like you'd get to talk about this guy every single podcast, but just just lay lay it on us one
2: last time, Ross. So yeah, I mean, my three guys we're talking about here would be Dalton Cha- Chauncey. Gardner Johnson and then Darnell Savage, uh, who is another really top-end safety prospect, a guy that ran, I mean, insanely well at at, the, at uh, his testing. And then, of course, Dalton Reiser. And Dalton is somebody who is really a tone setter and somebody that you want in your locker room, somebody that is going to be really somebody who's going to establish the culture for your offensive line as you kind of transition maybe beyond – a Brian Bulaga, uh, potentially, you know, transition even beyond uh, a Corey Lindsley if you get to that point and, and you don't want to renew him. This is sort of the, the the David Bakhtiari, Billy Turner of offensive line moving forward, I think. and And one guy, like I said, that could really help you out or be a big deal in every aspect, is going to be Dalton Reisner. He can play left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Has played all those positions at, at Kansas State. Was a, you know an all-Big all Ten guy as a freshman, as a center, and then basically played right tackle at an All-American level for three years. Tested out just fine, not elite, but, but just fine. And is one of my absolute very favorite players in this draft. I think if you said, and I'm going to post this question on Twitter just to see what the, the reactions are. If you said, all right, give me 12 and 30, you know, don't say Quinnen and Joey, like, give me what's your absolute perfect 12 and 30. I think, honestly, mine are Brian Burns and Dalton Reisner. I think that's a, a, something that could happen. And if it did happen, you would have to pull me off the ceiling, man. I, I just, I'd be that hyped. I think it would really add two awesome players at positions. The Packers could definitely use some help.
3: And to interject too, that's that's partially why I would be so upset with your Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, Andre Dillard, because I think there's players like Reisner that are or Reisner that are available later in this draft class. Oh that, yeah,
2: I mean, Ry, you talk about guys that can that can flat out play Reisner. Depends on if Dillard actually goes where I think he should go. You know, you would have him in that conversation, but. Beyond those guys, you know, you, you have to the, – the the Greg Littles, the Caleb McGarrys, the Yodney Kajusts, these are guys that can legitimately play tackle at the NFL level, and you don't need to rush into a situation where you're pulling the trigger on a McGarry at 12 when you can get a Reisner – or excuse me, pulling the trigger on a Dillard at 12 when you can get a Reisner at 30 or a McGarry at 44. It's just unbelievable necessary if you want to even go later than that the Packers have historically proven again and again and again that they can take an offensive lineman in in round four round five and not just make him a starter make him a damn pro bowler you know the only thing that makes me nervous with
3: that is the departure of his face I can't remember their offensive lines coach Uh, but I think he had a lot to do with that so hopefully they can keep that going and did you
2: talk about Savage uh, as well I did very briefly. I just mentioned, you know, that he ran extremely well uh, and and was a guy that would would really complement Amos very, very well and is also a player that, you know, say Raven Green turns out or or you end up getting the year three leap from Josh Jones, who's about as athletic as it gets. You can also use Darnell as a slot area defender, and I think he would do an extremely good job there. You want to play a little big nickel with three safeties. You can do that with him, but just somebody that I think, you know, if you're talking about strictly a two safety look when you have corner corner nickel King Jackson Jair long term, and you're looking for for that fifth spot with Amos, that Darnell would would really slide in there and do an awesome job.
3: Yeah, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of Darnell Savage as well, and I think that. You're starting to, like I talked, you know, you're kind of getting into the sweet spot of that safety position now, whether it be 30 or 44. I think there's going to be really good value at both those spots to get a guy that's going to come in and start from day one if they need him to. So three guys I would need to be talked into at 30. I'm going to throw this out there just because it has been talked about. And that is Drew Locke. Why I could be talked into him is because i like drew Locke. i like him as a prospect i think he's got i think he's got all-world arm talent i think he's a guy that if he gets to sit and learn for a couple of years he could be a really good football player with that said you already talked about this it makes zero sense zero not a nada, nada the only way you can justify it is if the packers think that aaron rodgers is you know one concussion away one knee injury away that they think he is that close to being injured out of the league. That's the only way I can justify it. But then I'll even, I'll argue with myself and say, if that happens, the Packers are screwed anyways, because their cap situation is effed. it's done. If drew, and then drew lock comes in and keeps them afloat at eight or, you know, 500. Great. Now we're not getting the first overall pick. So, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I can see why people, the Packers should do their due diligence with quarterbacks. And I think that's all they're really doing. That, that doesn't make me upset. They should know who the, the best quarterback prospects in this draft class are. It's the, most, it's the most important commodity in professional sports. So that's fine. And that's why you could talk me into it. But like you already hit, hit it d- makes zero sense. So I just w- wanted to bring him up because he's the name that's been connected the most. And the next is a guy that I know we're going to disagree on because you love this guy and I'm pretty meh on him, and that's Chase Winovich. He's a guy that if he's the 30th pick, Ross, I know I know who I'll be uh, talking to, and it'll be you. You're going to have to talk me into him. I, I like Chase. I just don't like him at 30, and the reason for that is I know he's a force player, but I just have a weird thing about edge rushers with short arms, and he's kind of got those T-Rex arms. I know it didn't really affect him at Michigan, but when you get into that range, and 30 is still a pretty high pick, And that, so that would bother me there. But like I said, you'd probably be able to talk to me into that pretty quickly because everything else about Chase, I love. I, I, you know, you hear this guy talk, and, you know, he's the type of guy that would come into Green Bay and be a fan favorite almost immediately. He's got that mentality, and I think he's made of the right stuff. I just think 30 is a little bit early for him. And then the last guy that I would need to be talked into is Hollywood Brown. And man, where to start with him? You know, he's the size of a middle schooler. I I've coached middle school kids, his size. Now I've never coached anyone. That's as fast as him. And that's where you could talk me into him is Hollywood. The, the, the size just scares the heck out of me. It really does. But everything else about him, I actually really like his ball tracking skills are, are pretty incredible. He's not, he's actually a pretty good route runner for with that speed. He's not just a guy that goes out and runs by people. He's, he's got some, some nuanced routes that I actually really like. And, I think he's actually a guy that can play on the outside because so I think he could be hard to press, but it all comes back to it can he stay healthy the the Liz Frank injury guys there's a pretty pretty proven track record of guys that suffer that injury. they don't come back the same way, and so that scares me as well. I could be talked into him kind of for the reasons I said, and you know if he showed up at camp and proved that that foot injury is completely behind him, sure great. That's, that's awesome. Let's roll. But he would be a guy I'd be very leery of. And Ross, you have some of the same guys on your list, so I'm going to be interested to hear kind of your takes on why you need to be talked into those guys at 30.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could probably be talked into a quarterback. Um, I'm not with you on lock. I don't think it's going to work out for him uh, or Daniel Jones. My quarterback three and four are Easton Stick and Will Greer. I think that Easton would be an earth-shattering pick at thirty. <laughs> I think it would be a situation where Matt Lafleur saw what New Orleans did with uh, Taysom Hill and wants to do some some of that kind of stuff with these two. At a nine-six-five RAS uh, and and basically athletically compared to Cooper Cup, but I think you could definitely get away with doing that at like seventy-five or one fourteen. You wouldn't need to do it at thirty. Beyond, you know, Will the Thrill. I oh, I just don't see it. I, I really, really don't. Doesn't make any sense. And also it's completely giving up on the fact that you had a Pro Bowl level free safety in Demarius Randall that you traded for Deshaun Kaiser and you're now lighting the Deshaun Kaiser ticket on fire. I think you should probably do that anyway. I don't have a lot of hope for him. I didn't like him coming out of the draft. I think accuracy was his main issue, and accuracy is the number one thing. That doesn't get better uh, year over year over year. Accuracy just continues to not improve uh, in these in these prospects, and that's mainly the reason I don't like Locke. I, I don't think that his intermediate accuracy and his short area accuracy are going to get any better at the next level. It over and over again. It's it's basically been proven that that does not happen, and so that's you know a very real reason why I have concerns about him, but. In general, I just don't see quarterback, period. You, you really would have to talk me into that. Maybe you have a trade partner for Kaiser, though I don't think you're going to return anything more than a fifth or a sixth-round pick, which I think is, is basically nothing. Hollywood is on my list as well, though I don't think it would take me very long. I, I think Hollywood really does provide a specific thing to this offense that maybe it doesn't have. Yes, it has guys uh, that run well. there's absolutely no question about that. But at the same time, they're, they're not a lot of proven deep threats, even at the college level, EQ and MVS ran their asses off, but their, their, their deep production in college was not elite or they would have been drafted higher period. And then Caleb McGarry. And the reason for Caleb is I think he would take a full year. I think you would have to develop him for a full year and, and then you maybe would have a right tackle, but, I just don't see him really contributing to the 2019 effort, and that's why you'd have to talk me into him at 30. But i got to get moving here, so I'm going to rip through my guys that that I would be upset about at 30, and then I'm going to just keep rolling. All right, man, go for it. So Nikhil Harry is a guy that I've seen mock to Green Bay legitimately at 30, and it's just a player that I'm not as high on as most. I'm willing to admit that. I struggle with guys that can't create separation in college or don't consistently create separation in college, and he does not do that. He needed to be schemed open. You know, he's kind of one of those. You talk about baseball, the, the three true outcomes. If it's not a fade, an immediate stop, or a slant, he wasn't running it. Uh, not, not a diverse route tree, not somebody who was precise in his route running, creating separation, but tested like an animal, and with the ball in his hand, really, really special player. Josh Jacobs, don't take a running back into the first round. Just don't do it. It's unnecessary. I don't care that the defending champs just did it. He wasn't even their best running back last year. He might have been the second or third most important tailback on that team. I don't really understand why the Patriots did it. I would never do it. Please don't do it. And then Paris Campbell is just another receiver that other people are flat out just going to be higher on than me, not somebody I would even take at 44. And frankly, is someone that I've seen mocked to Green Bay on a number of occasions, and I just I'm not here for it. So my three
3: guys that I would be upset about, Ja'Kai Polite, pretty widely talked about. I just was still wouldn't touch him at this point. Josh Jacobs, again, for everything Ross just said, I put him again here on 30 just because I think this is, if, if it were to happen, this would be a more realistic spot. And then my last guy is probably one of the most polarizing guys in this drive class, and that's Hakeem Butler. I'm just not a fan of his. He doesn't separate. And he doesn't catch the ball well. And those are two things that I like my wide receivers to be able to do he of course is huge and athletic and that stuff's all great but i don't care if you can't catch the ball. Ross if you if you need to head out that is fine we can just wrap it at that man i think we're we're sitting there like an hour anyway. So Ross is going to head out and so guys so just to re- recap we went through pick 12 and pick 30 and just talked about three guys you love, three guys you'd like, three guys you need to be talked into and three guys you'd be upset about. Um, A lot of people have been participating with this on Twitter the last couple of days. If you want to go ahead and do that as well, it's kind of a fun exercise to look back on too when they do make the pick at 12 and 30. Kind of have some receipts on that. So if you uh, want to retweet it on Thursday night, that'd be fun. Um, but if you want to do that, go on over to my Twitter page and there's kind of some fun emojis that you can, you can uh, use to do that. But beyond that, guys, uh, that's really all we got for you today. I hope Hope you have a good draft week. Try to stay focused at work. Thursday will be here before you know it. But until then, go, Pack go.
0: Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good, Adams! 30. Turns up field 25. Cutting right to the 20. 15. 10. Touchdown! Rogers looks it over, Starks to his left, now he moves Starks to the right side, snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed, rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone, it's hot, what did it It is caught a touchdown! Yes! A One kick away from the NFC Championship game, from the 41, left hand spot, 51 yard, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick, to the upright, and it is right down the middle, it is good, and the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game! And what a happy bunch of green